at different times in each of our lives, we're going to be called on to do things that we just don't know how to do. Peter Yasek experienced what it's like to be thrust into the unknown when he was arrested and put in a Sudanese prison for his faith in Christ. Psalm 116 says that the Lord is the protector of the unexperienced ones. And when you are in prison and you uh, end up in prison in the foreign country, you are definitely unexperienced. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You know, about one year ago, we sat down here on VOM Radio with Peter Yasek. In fact, I went to Prague and interviewed him eight days after his release from prison. One year later, we're back with Peter Yasek, and uh, we're going to hear some of what's happened with him in the last year and look back again on that time in prison. Peter, welcome back to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you very much. It's a great privilege for me to be with you again. As we think about one year since your release, I think about the miracle of just your physical health. I think I was in Sudan for a week and I got malaria. You were in prison in Sudan for 14 months and you never even got malaria. Just God's hand of protection. You've seen God work in dark prison cells. It shows on your face. It comes out in everything you do. Yeah, I agree with you that uh, we have seen it many times when we were interviewing those who have lost everything, uh, all their property, belongings, uh, everything what they had. They Many of them lost their beloved ones. Uh, many of them uh, lost even part of their bodies. But uh, even though there might be some time when people grieve, uh, and of course uh, when I was in prison I was depressed, I was uh, feeling alone, I was fearing, you know, of certain things. Uh, the Lord continued to lift me up and give me his peace and joy. Sometimes it was even a kind of spiritual battle. I remember when I was in solitary confinement and I was still physically not doing very well. I was, I lost 25 kilos in the first two months in the first prison and I was anemic, and that all brought me to the point that my body was not functioning normally, properly, and I was easily subject to these kind of sadness, depression. But sometimes uh, I had to systematically pray and systematically proclaim the Lord's victory in the cell and uh, proclaim that the Lord is my peace, the Lord is my joy. And sometimes I had to repeat it for certain times until after a few minutes I started to really feel this peace and this joy. And of course we have seen it uh, many times with persecuted Christians and it is a real wonderful experience to also for me personally, that I uh, was having this privilege, really a privilege from the Lord to experience that as well and maybe to better understand 
the situation of our persecuted brothers and sisters. And I believe that uh, when I will be meeting with them uh, in the future, I'm sure that uh, I will can bring even more encouragement, more joy and peace through the scriptures that the Lord has revealed to me through my own experience. And I'm looking forward to that. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Peter Yasik. Uh, just about one year ago, he was released from prison in Sudan after serving 14 months. Peter, one of the things that we talk about how well you have come through this situation and, and these circumstances, but one of the things that impressed me and impressed many of us at Voice of the Martyrs was how well your family coped with the fact that husband, dad is in prison in Sudan. You you really made a conscious choice as a family to prepare yourself that this could happen. Talk to me a little bit about how you did that and how you prepared your family for the day that, that eventually came where, you know, dad's supposed to be flying home, but uh Oh, he got arrested, but they handled it with amazing grace and courage throughout the 14 months. How did you guys get ready for that as a family? I uh, remember that my family was aware of the work for the Voice of the Martyrs when I used to work, uh, and I still work as a volunteer for the Czech Voice of the Martyrs. Since its beginning, which was in the early 90s, uh, they were quite aware of the work, of the news about persecuted Christians. Uh, they were actually part of it. And, uh, of course, uh, I personally went through various kinds of trainings at VOM because VOM is really preparing its workers for situations like that, whether they are kidnapped or arrested or imprisoned or whether we are witnessing, you know, similar difficult situation with our uh, beloved ones. So in one sense, I could say that I experienced some of these preparation work, uh, which was always uh, not really taken seriously, because uh, it is like, uh, you know, you are being prepared for a situation that is hypothetical, but until something like that happens, uh, you do not really realize the seriousness of uh, the situation that may come. Uh, the good thing uh, in my family was that uh, my wife, my children, uh, they were sometimes also accompanying me on my trips uh, to help to bring the help or to visit persecuted brothers and sisters. So usually when it was also a good kind of thing to explain at different embassies why I'm, am I asking for the first time, you know, for visa for Algeria when everybody understands that Algeria is not a tourist destination for Czech people. So, you know, like taking my family members uh, because I was flying so fre so frequently, so very much so, I had some uh, frequent flyer tickets that I could use, and I always used it for my family to expose them also to the persecuted church. Uh, my wife uh, still experienced a time of communism in our country, but our children had no clue what the communism was all about unless we would tell them. And uh, I remember it was a life-changing experience uh, for my daughter or my son when they first time visited uh, countries where Christians and children also, like their age, are being persecuted. Uh, I would say the best preparation of my family was just to expose them to persecution, uh, persecuted brothers and sisters, to sometimes take them with me 
But still, you know, when the moment came and when I was not being able to send any text message from the landing on my way home and I did not arrive on time, that was a moment of truth when uh, they also didn't know what to do and they asked at first our pastor to pray for, uh, for them. And later on, you know, at least I would say that uh, in a, our Czech translation, the Psalm 116 says that the Lord is the protector of the unexperienced ones. And when you are in prison and you uh, end up in prison in the foreign country, you are definitely unexperienced. And uh, until the moment happens for the first time, only then it becomes real. You mentioned your pastor and the Czech church, and I'm interested because I know when you got released, there was a lot of media coverage in the Czech papers and and TV and and different interviews that you and your wife and your family did. What has been the impact on the Czech church of having a a Czech persecuted Christian? I would say that uh, the time when I was in prison definitely contributed to the unity of churches in our country. My wife uh, was so moved when uh, she received encouragement letters, emails, phone calls from all over our country. It was from various denominations. Any problems and conflicts that sometimes we have between or amongst the churches, that just uh, was put uh, aside. And people across the various denominations were praying for my family, praying for me, praying for the Sudanese brothers who got arrested and imprisoned as well praying for their families. When uh, I got released and when the first pressure and first uh, wave of interest of the secular media was over, uh, then we started to visit churches and we started to hear amazing testimonies of people, how they were praying for me, how they were crying when I was sentenced for life. They were rejoicing then when I was unexpectedly released after 14 and a half months you know, we heard stories of people who have never seen me before, who never heard my name before. But when we were hearing from them that they had tears in their eyes and they were praying and crying, I mean, and when we heard how they then cried of joy when I was released, I mean, for us, it was something unbelievable and unexpected that people who uh, was not uh, members of our church. They were not. Uh, we were not known to them that the Lord has put it that much on their heart that they really felt the pain uh, when other part of the same body uh, was experiencing uh, this pain. So it was an amazing evidence that the Church of Christ got uh, so much uh, united through this painful situation. And I think it's interesting that you mention unity, because I think unity is one of the great blessings of persecution. <laughs> when when the church is being persecuted, they don't have time to argue amongst themselves. They just have to hunker down and work together and, and be the body of Christ. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Peter Yasek. Just, just about exactly one year ago, he was released from prison in Sudan, You can go to vomradio.net and hear that whole story. I went to Prague after his release. We talked through the time in prison. 
Peter, what has happened in Sudan since your release? Is Are things any better for the church there? Worse? The same? What's going on there? I think it is quite obvious when you look at the news that are coming out of Sudan that the situation is actually getting worse. I remember when we had our court session, it was uh, it started in mid-August in 2016, and we always had our sessions on Monday, and on uh, two, uh, we always had uh, visitors from the local churches. And I remember that uh, there was one very courageous brother who is the secretary of the Sudanese Church of Christ, and he was always sitting in the first row of seats. And if they allowed him, he just came to us and shook our hand and always had some words of encouragement. It was last year in October I heard that he got arrested uh, together with four other pastors. Uh, the reason why he got arrested was that uh, he and his church members were not willing to give up their church to be destroyed, to be demolished, to be bulldozed you know, by uh, the local authorities, even though their church was officially allowed and built according to the uh, local regulations. I think they um, accused him and the other four pastors of interfering the decision of local authorities. And uh, even though they were later on released on bail, they are still facing the similar trial like we were facing uh, more than a year ago. So in one sense, the situation got worse. Since I got released, I have already heard about two churches being demolished. And there are many pastors uh, interrogated, but these five pastors are facing a quite a serious trial and they may end up in prison. So we definitely need to lift up the Sudanese brothers and sisters uh, in our prayers and uh, especially the pastors who are the most exposed ones and who are now facing the same, same trial. And unfortunately, they don't have a Westerner on trial with them to draw attention and and make everybody pay attention to it. So we want to encourage you to pray for those pastors. Peter, you were also charged alongside some pastors there in Sudan. And I know the two pastors have now left the country, and you had a chance a few months back to meet with them and fellowship with them outside Sudan, not in prison. What was that like to, to be back with them? Pastor Hassan and uh, the brother Abdel Munim, they were released from prison uh, much later than I was. You know, I was released on February 23rd. Uh, they stayed in prison until May 11th. And even after they were released from prison, they were still monitored. Uh, they still had to visit the police station and they were still under certain strict control. But the pressure from international sources, from uh, different organizations, different NGOs, different politicians, from uh, European institutions, as well as from the U.S. institution. And so eventually, I think that was a part of the pressure that caused that these two brothers were also released. And later on, you know, I figured out, you know, who else was very much involved in my case, you know, who was from the U.S. side. There were very courageous uh, congressmen who, uh, and senators who were involved in the process of my release together with the uh, Czech Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And these people really continued this battle until the victory was reached. And uh, 
I heard uh, about end of August, beginning of September, that Pastor Hassan's family, uh, his wife, five children, and his mother were allowed to travel to the United States. And I looked carefully at the picture. I thought that he was with them un, uh, until I realized that he is missing. And he was still in Sudan, and he was uh, not even allowed to have his passport, passport back. And uh, there was a congressman from uh, U.S., Tom Garrett. He's a, a congressman for Virginia who got involved very much in my case as well. And uh, I was able to see him, and he continued this battle until he managed to convince the Sudanese authorities personally to return passports to Hassan and Abdul Munim. And he managed to arrange the U.S. visas for them, and he also brought them to the United States. So in October last year, we had a wonderful opportunity to meet Hassan, his wife, and Abdel Munim in uh, one of the buildings of the U.S. Senate. We were celebrating the 50th anniversary of VOM uh, together with uh, senators, congressmen, all those who are really concerned about the situation of the persecuted uh, brothers and sisters around the world. And we were celebrating not only the 50th anniversary, but we were also celebrating uh, like eight months not seeing each other and celebrating the freedom uh, when uh, we were all free. And, you know, the verse um, came to me, you know, when David is talking about a man that the Lord is taking the one who is very low, who is in the filth, in the dust, and he lifts him up and he lets him sit alongside with the nobleman of the earth. And this verse came to my mind. The Lord has literally taken out Hassan and Abdel Munim out of the filth, out of the dust, out of the uh, all kinds of illnesses and, uh, you know, whatever you can imagine to be in the African prison and he puts them to sit alongside the mightiest man of the United States. The scripture has just been fulfilled by this meeting when we were all sitting together and remembering the times when we were in prison. I know that your wife was there also and one of the pastor's wives. What was their conversation like, meeting each other for the first time? Uh, the conversation was very simple, not only because uh, neither Hassan's wife nor my wife speaks fluent English, but I can tell you it was very simple because that was the conversation of tears on both sides. We, yes, amen. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Peter Yasek, released one year ago from prison in Sudan. Peter, there's one story that we didn't talk about last time you were here, and it's a story we did talk about, the fact that your fellow cellmates, the ISIS guys, were getting ready to waterboard you. Uh, but there was a story going on in the Czech Republic at the same time that connects to that. Share, share that story. Uh, when I was going through the most difficult time in the first uh, uh, two months uh, in prison, when I was in the small cell originally designed for one person, we were seven people there, me and another six ISIS guys, I uh, was in a position that in the end I was just working like their slave. I was washing their underwear, cleaning the toilet with my bare hands, and slowly their furiousness and their anger uh, did not know any stops, and uh, eventually they wanted to waterboard me. And at that moment, 
I was on my knees. I was just praying, being interrogated by them. And whenever they didn't like uh, any of my answers, they just started to beat me with the wooden stick. And surprisingly, despite this physical beatings and uh, humiliation, I felt real peace, deep peace inside me. And it was only uh, when I came home that I figured out what was actually going on at the same time when I was kneeling or on my knees before these ISIS guys being beaten by them, that my wife, who normally When I was uh, at home before I got arrested, we usually, apart from uh, Sunday's services, we usually uh, meet once a week uh, for a Bible study group. And uh, so when I was in prison, my wife decided to go to two different Bible study groups. And when I was in one of them, and they were just discussing uh, certain scripture, and uh, the, the brother who was in charge of this Bible study group felt led by the Holy Spirit, and he told the other brothers and sisters, I feel like the Lord wants us to get on our knees and to pray for Peter, and especially for the situation that he is right now in. So they stopped discussing that particular scripture that they were reading and discussing, and they went on their knees, and they literally started to proclaim the Lord's victory over the situation in my cell. And what a wonderful assurance, you know, like confirmation how the Lord's Holy Spirit works in us when we pray and he guides us to pray for the situation that and gives us the right words of prayers when we are interceding for our brothers and sisters. We know from Romans 8.27 that the Holy Spirit is praying, interceding for the saints. And there is one interesting point, according to the will of God. Of course, many people were praying for me, for my release. I personally was praying for my release. Uh, the first four months, I was only praying for my release, and I took it by faith. You know, in the first three months, I was even thanking the Lord that he will release me after three months, but he did not. But it took me a while until I realized uh, the Lord's purpose, what it was for me, and that was a moment of like a turning point in my attitude in the rest of my time in prayer. So by sharing this, you know, this how important the prayer was for me in the most difficult time and how it was perfectly coordinated by the Holy Spirit at home, many thousand kilometers far away. I think this is a great example that we should pray. We should pray for our brothers and sisters. We should be faithful in prayers. And the Lord certainly could help me without the prayers. The Lord can help many prisoners without us praying for them. But the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, is a Lord of fellowship. He wants to have fellowship with us. He is desiring our prayers. He wants to be amidst our prayers And he just gives us such a good examples and evidences how he is working with the Holy Spirit like that. I would like to encourage everybody to continue to pray for the persecuted because this is the will of God. This is what the Lord wants us to do. And he is really uh, wants to dwell in our prayers. I think hearing that story hopefully will encourage people, hey, if the Lord lays on your heart, a particular Christian, a particular situation, a country, 
stop what you're doing and pray, because that might be the moment that they need that prayer. That might be the moment they need that protection. Peter, thank you so much for sharing with us. It's always a great to be with you. I, I think, you know, even as we sit in the room together, this is an answer to prayer, because I prayed that, that God bring Peter out of prison. Uh, and so every time I'm with you, it's like a little, wow, not only did God answer my prayer, but now he lets us have this opportunity to fellowship together. Thank you for your faithfulness. I know God has great things in store for you and for your family and, and the ministry that he has for you. Thank you for making Voice of the Martyrs Radio part of that. Thank you for the invitation, and may the Lord bless you all who listen to it. As always, you can listen to every episode of the Voice of the Martyrs Radio at vomradio.net. If you want to hear the whole story of Peter's arrest, imprisonment, and eventual release, just search in the search bar for Sudan or for Peter, P-E-T-R, and you can listen to those episodes. All of that is available to you at vomradio.net. Next week, we're going to talk more about Sudan and believers there who face intense pressure to convert to Islam. We're going to have Brad Phillips here with us, and I hope that you'll be back with us as well right here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network.